0: Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to our special Easter message. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. I'm so excited to begin this morning. So I want to start by reading a passage of scripture. We're going back to Easter Sunday, the very first Easter Sunday. Luke chapter 24. Verse 1, it says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the man said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead. He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. I want to give our message a title this morning, and more than even a title, uh, it's a question or, or maybe it's a statement, but our title this morning is simply, What If? What If? As I was thinking about Easter this year, Easter 2021, and the message that I wanted to share, the words that kept coming back to me over and over again were these words of, What if? What if? What if? You see, I think that life is filled with a bunch of moments, and specifically a bunch of what if moments. I'm not sure if any of you guys are like this, or you've gone down the what if rabbit hole before. Like, What if blank didn't occur? What would my life look like? I think. For me, one of the largest or the biggest what-ifs that I have in my life uh, happens to, to, to do with my schooling. Uh, now, I remember back when I was in high school, I think I was like most high school uh, students, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do right? A lot of people in high school, that's their story. Uh, But what I did know is that I loved Jerry Seinfeld. I love Seinfeld, greatest sitcom of all time. You can let me know in the chat if you are a Seinfeld fan. And so I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I figured why not shoot big for the stars. And so I thought maybe I'll become like my own, uh, I'll be a comedian. I'll have my own sitcom. And so I enrolled at the University of Alberta for the fine arts program. Now, for whatever reason, as I look back, I I don't know why, but I got accepted, but I never ended up going. Instead, I ended up going to university uh, in small town, Alberta. And it was there that I met my wife, uh, future wife. Uh, It was there that uh, the Lord changed my life. The Lord changed really the direction of, of where I was going. And so oftentimes I'll think, what if? Like, what if I didn't go there, and what if I would have gone to the University of Alberta? What would my life look like? Now, I don't know if any of you guys go down those paths, but like for me, it's like, man, if I did that, like, what if, like I wouldn't have found my wife, I wouldn't have my family that I have now, I wouldn't have this church, this amazing church family. And I know that for a lot of us, we go down this what if path, and that's kind of a fun what if, but I know for a lot of us watching, When it comes to the what ifs of life, I think a lot of us, we go down that path, but perhaps it's a more negative path. I began to think for a lot of us, how many of us go down that what if path and we begin to think of all the moments in life where we wonder what would my life look like if? What would my life look like if my marriage never fell apart? What would my life look like if I never lost my job? I know for a lot of us, because we're a year into this pandemic, A lot of us are saying, what would my life look like if this had not been this way for the last year? What would my life look like if I hadn't have lost my job, if I hadn't have lost friends, relationships? And for a lot of us, we go down that path of what if. Now we're here today on Easter Sunday. And as I said, this question of what if kept going through my mind when it came to Easter. What if, what if, what if? Now, I just happen to believe that Easter Sunday is is the greatest day in the history of humanity. And we're here today to to celebrate. If you don't know, the reason we're here as Christians is because we believe that Jesus rose again. We believe that the grave is empty. This is the greatest day in, in the history of humanity. Now, I'm well aware that everyone watching and everyone listening, maybe you don't believe that or you don't know for sure if that story is real. And to that, I say, perfect. In fact, you're the reason that this church exists for for the skeptic, for the not so sure. But what I want to do this morning when it comes to Easter Sunday, I want to ask the question, what if? Now, I know for a lot of us, and maybe even if we're believers, we, we, we kind of go down that skeptical side. Well, what if? you know, this, this whole thing never happened? What if Jesus didn't actually raise from the dead? Because I know that, that humanity, our minds, we often go in that direction. But the question I wanna ask today, because we can go down that route a different day, but today, Easter Sunday, 2021, I wanna ask a different question. I wanna go the opposite way. I wanna ask this simple question, what if it's true? What if it's true? What if the story is true? What if Jesus actually rose from the dead? What would the implications be? How would that affect my life? I'm here to tell you, and we'll go through it this morning, but if the story is true, if Jesus actually rose from the dead, if the tomb is empty, everything changes. Everything changes. Now, where we pick up our story this morning, because I want to go through what the Bible says, specifically the Gospel of Luke. When we pick up our story, Jesus is dead. Now, what we need to understand is that history agrees that Jesus of Nazareth was a real person. There's really no questioning that. Any credible scholar will tell you that Jesus of Nazareth existed. He was a great teacher. He had a great following. Uh, In fact, they even agreed that Pontius Pilate uh, agreed to to, to crucify him with with, with the help of the religious leaders. That is not disputed. Jesus lived. He was a real historical figure in the same way of Alexander the Great, William Shakespeare, Napoleon. Jesus was real. He's a historical person. No no, No one disagrees with that. I want us to understand this. However, Where history takes a split is how the story ends, or as Christians would tell you, where the story begins. You see, no one denies the fact that Jesus was a true and historical figure. Where the story differs is what happens after his death. You see, as we know, Christians, and why we're here, a lot of us are here, is because we have the idea and the belief that Jesus rose from the dead. However, there's a large group of people that say, you know what? Jesus was real. He was crucified. But that's where the story ends. Like any regular man, that's where the story ends. Jesus was dead. That's final. He is not risen. Now, the question again, I want to ask is, well, what if? What if he actually rose? What if the story is true? And so this morning, I want to go through the story. Again, I'm giving us the context. And now we know right now today that Christians, we celebrate he is risen. He is risen indeed. But what I want to show you guys is the story. It didn't start that way. It didn't start with excitement. It didn't start with resurrection. In fact, it started with disappointment, grief, and sadness. The disciples, the closest followers of Jesus, the 12 have scattered. They're nowhere to be seen. This is where I pick up our story early Sunday morning. Luke 24, verse 1, it says, On the first day of the week, Very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb." Now, this is important to understand what they're doing. The reason the women are bringing the spices is because what they would do is they would go to embalm the body. The body, in the most practical sense, what they're doing is trying to hide the stench because a decaying body stinks. and So they're going to anoint the body, but in a sense, what it really is, it's a closure. It's the end, it's the end of the story. They are there to finish, and, and, and you can imagine, they were there on Friday, these women. They saw Jesus crucified, beaten, killed, and so they're doing what any person would do. They're going to finish the story, to get the closure, to bring the spices. But it says in verse two of Luke 24, when they got there, the stone was rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, I want us to pause there. They're wondering, where, where could his body be? Did, did someone take it? Has it been moved? Is this the wrong grave? Nothing in this moment lets us or shows us that they had anything other than the end in mind because Jesus was crucified. While they're wondering about these things, suddenly two men in clothes that gleam like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces, to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. Now, I want us to backtrack a little bit. So, these ladies, they're there again for the closure, for the end of the life of Jesus. But all of a sudden, these two men, these angels, show up and they ask them a very pointed question Why are you here? What are you doing at the tomb? Now, you need to understand, for the ladies, who are there to, 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 again, get closure, what they were doing is extremely logical. It makes sense. What they were doing makes perfect sense, assuming that Jesus is dead, assuming that he is just a man, assuming like anyone else, death was the end of his story. But what the angels are letting them know is that he was more than a man. And so they asked them a pointed question. They said, what are you doing? Why are you here looking for the living among the dead? You see, if Jesus is dead, what they're doing makes sense. But if he's alive, to look for a living person in the place where the dead people are makes no sense. If he's alive, everything changes. They ask him a question. What are you doing, ask them a question. What are you doing looking for the living among the dead? And so again, the question we're asking is what if it's true? What if the tomb is empty? What if Jesus is not there? Here's the first implication I wanna give you this morning. If Jesus rose again, if the tomb is indeed empty, that means that I don't have to look for life in dead places. I don't have to look for life in dead things. Now you're like, Harrison, what does that mean? Let me break it down like this. I believe inside each and every one of us, there is a will to live. All of us, every single one of us, the cry of our heart is to live. I think us as humans, we have this instinct within us. Now, of course, there is that physically. We physically, uh, our bodies long to live. I was reading a story this week about a man named Kevin Hines. He jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, tried to take his own life, and he miraculously survived. And I encourage you to go look up his story because it's it's pretty incredible. But he said something of interest that I thought uh, was, that caught my attention. He said the moment that he jumped off, he regretted it. He said the moment that he jumped off the bridge, he prayed out and he cried out to God, save me, I don't want to die. You see, I think, and this story kind of collaborates with other people that have gone through similar things. The moment they take that that leap of death, they regret it. Why? Because there's something inside of us physically that longs for life. Now, I think we know that, but what I want to suggest this morning is the human spirit, not only is it our will to live physically physically, but I think that we have something deep down inside of us where the cry of our heart is also to live emotionally, spiritually. What do I mean by that? I mean every single one of us. The cry in our heart is not to be alive, but is to actually live. It's to have purpose. It's to have meaning. The desire of our hearts is to find the meaning and to find the purpose of life. And so if Jesus actually rose again, the implication is that I don't have to look for life, I don't have to look for that thing that my soul craves in dead things. You see, I think we all know this innately, we long for life, we long for purpose, we long for meaning, but I wonder how many of us, we have that longing inside of us, we have that itch, but we don't know how to satisfy it. You see, one thing I've realized is there is no worse feeling in life than having an itch and not being able to satisfy it. One of the reasons I got married literally was just so I could have someone that could scratch my back whenever I wanted. Come on, somebody. Doesn't always work out. But as some of you guys may know, I hurt my shoulder uh, recently. And one of the worst things you would think is like the pain or the surgery or wearing a sling. No, no, one of the worst things is when I have an itch in my back that I can't reach and I'm by myself. (laughs) because there's no worse feeling than knowing you have a longing, but you can't satisfy it. And I wonder this Easter morning, for for those of us who are listening, I wonder if there is a cry in your heart and you know that it's there, but you don't know how to satisfy it. You see, I think a lot of us, we know that we have this cry, and so we look for things to satisfy it. I think for so many of us in our society today, one of the main places we look to satisfy the longing, the meaning in our heart is in our jobs. It's in our careers, in our vocations. And we think to ourselves, my job will give me purpose. My job will give me worth, my job will give me value. It's so interesting, one of the statistics that I've read recently is that it says nowadays, and this is vastly different from 20 years ago, the majority of people will only stay at their job for four years. In fact, it says 70% of people will leave their jobs within four years. And this is vastly different than, than 20 years ago where people would stay for life. And I talk to so many people, and what happens, and it's not for everyone, and I don't want you to think that leaving your job is is a bad thing. But for a lot of people I talk to, it's like, you know what, I didn't find purpose there. My meaning wasn't there, so I gotta go find something else. I gotta find a job that satisfies my soul. But A lot of us go from job to job to job, and nothing seems to satisfy. For some of us, we look into relationships, right? We think, if I just have a partner, If I just have someone, that is what's gonna satisfy me. Yet you'll find people, and maybe you've been there yourself, you got married, maybe you had kids, you bought the perfect house, and it would seem like you had the perfect life, yet that that itch is not satisfied. There's something in your soul that longs for meaning. To be honest, this one might hurt for some people watching, but a lot of us will look to religion. i look to religion to find meaning. If I can act a certain way, if I can follow a certain sect of laid out rules, then I'll find meaning. But for a lot of people, we tried to act a certain way for so long, yet we found that as well did not satisfy the longing of our heart. For some of us, man, it's social media. Well, if I just continue to post, if I can gain a following, if I can get likes, reposts, If I can just make myself a a product or a commodity, then I'll find meaning. But what happens for so many of us is we chase and we chase and we chase and we we don't find it. Now, I want to go back to the tomb for a second because I want us to understand this. And I said it already, but I'll repeat it. If Jesus was dead, if Jesus was just a man, it made sense for them to look for him at the tomb. If this life is it, If Jesus did not raise again, it makes sense for us to look for life and to look for meaning in our work, in our relationships, in in our status, in in religion. If Jesus did not raise again, it makes sense to look for meaning and purpose in all of those things, because if this is it, what else is there? But the thing is this, if Jesus actually rose again, everything changes everything changes. And I would suggest for those of us listening, we know deep down in our souls, we want this to be true. Because we've gone down that road, we've gone down the relational road, the work road, and anyone that will tell you that's got a new house, a new phone, a new job, a new spouse, whatever it is, it didn't satisfy the deepest longing of our heart. And so I wonder what if, what you're looking for was found in a person. You see, the implications are this. What if Jesus rose from the dead? It means I don't have to look for life in dead things. What's a dead thing? A dead thing is anything that promises to bring life but it cannot actually satisfy. That's a dead thing. And if Jesus rose from the dead, he actually freed us from looking for life in things that can never bring us life. You see, if Jesus rose from the dead, I just happen to have this, this thing inside of me. If he actually rose from the dead, I'm just going to believe everything he says. Because if he did come out, if he conquered great, the grave, if he did what no one else could do, I'm just kind of prone to think that what he said beforehand and everything he said might actually have some truth in it. If Jesus rose again, you want to know what? John 14, 8 is true. What is John 14, John 14 6, I should say? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what Jesus says. You want to know what Jesus means when he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life? He's saying, I'm what you're looking for. I'm what you've always wanted. I am what your soul craves. It means in my deadness, in my broken situations, Jesus can actually build life and bring life. It means, and here's the beauty. When we find life in the risen Jesus, every part of my life becomes better. My relationships become better. Why? Because I don't look at them to be a God thing. They're just a good thing. And I don't need that person to be my savior because Jesus already saved me. If Jesus actually rose from the dead, if I have life and purpose in him, I don't need to find it in my job. I don't need to find meaning in my job. I bring the meaning into my job. And so wherever I go, it becomes instantly better if Jesus actually rose from the dead. Can I tell you something? If Jesus rose from the dead, I don't need to find my value or my worth on Instagram likes because the son of God sent his son and gave His life for me. If Jesus actually rose from the dead, everything changes. Everything gets better. And so the angels say, why are you looking for the living? Among the dead, He is not here, He is risen. And so Luke 24, verse nine, it says when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11, the other disciples, and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, the apostles, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Now, I know a lot of us are listening, and it's like, Harrison, everything you said sounded good. Like I I long for purpose. I long for meaning. And if you can actually give an answer to that, to that longing in my soul, like I'll take it, but come on. How can I actually believe that Jesus rose from the dead? It's just too crazy. It's just too out there. Guess what? If you struggle with believing it, you're in good company because the disciples didn't believe it either. They said, this sounds like nonsense. When the woman came to bring the report, This seems, in a sense, for a lot of us, and we're in the modern era now. It's two thousand twenty-one. Harrison, there's no happy endings. There's no fairy tales. It's just more heartbreak, more hurt. This can't be. This can't be real. This is too good to be true. You want to know why the disciples couldn't believe it? Because if it's true, if Jesus rose from the the dead, you want to know what the implication is? Death is defeated. Death is defeated. You see, if the ultimate cry in our heart is life and to find life and to find purpose and to find meaning, that would mean the greatest enemy is death. Death is the antithesis to what we know and what we long for, and that is life. Death is the final blow. Death is something that we cannot comprehend because if we were created for life, death goes against everything that is innate inside of us. Yet, yet, as crazy and as incomprehensible as death is, even more incomprehensible for us, for, for finite beings like you and I, is the idea that someone overcame it. But the implications of Easter and the implications of Jesus rising from the dead is that if Jesus rose from the dead, death is defeated. You see, the truth is this this is where the story shifts. This is where history and Christianity split. Because what happens for, 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 for history, and for so many people, they say, you know what? I just can't believe it. I can't believe in a resurrection. I, can't, I just can't do it. Christianity, of course, built their hope on this. That said, Jesus rose from the dead. This is not it. And the implications are, if death is defeated, guess what, this life isn't it. I don't have to live with the pressure Like I need to fill everything into this tiny little space known as my life. I don't have to to do things in order to gain approval. I don't have to build things because guess what? There's more to just this life. You're saying, Harrison, I, I want it to be true, I really do. This last year, listen, I know for so many of us this last year has been scary. It's been hard because there's this threat looming that we can't see. And what that threat says for some of us is, man, this could be the end. My life could be over. I have so much I want to do, so much I want to live for. I'm just scared. The implications of Easter is that the scariest thing you can ever experience, death is not the end, but it's just the beginning. If Jesus rose again, death is defeated. John 11 is true. Verse 25 where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Look at this. The one who believes in me will will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. If death is really defeated, I need you to understand this. It's not the end, but it's the beginning. And what that means is every every injustice will be fixed. Every heartbreak will be mended. Every hurt will be worth it. Every broken thing will be restored. All of our pain is just temporary if death is defeated. That's the implication of Easter. You're saying, Harrison, well, how do I know? I just, I need some evidence. If you just give me some truth that that Jesus rose, I'll believe it because I want to believe it. It sounds so good. Guess what? I cannot tell you 100% that it's true. No one can, but we believe it by faith. However, I do believe that in the gospel story, there are a couple of clues that can show us that perhaps this story that I know deep down we want to be true. Is actually true. I want us to see this again, Luke 24, verse 10. It says, It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others who told the apostles. Now, it's naming the ladies that were at the tomb who told the apostles, the ones who saw Jesus. Now, all the Gospels will record the same story. It was the women that were the first to see Jesus. In fact, they were the ones to see the empty tomb and the angels and get the message. Now, this is very important, especially in the highly patriarchal society that was the first century when this story took place. You see, what you need to understand about women is that a woman's testimony was not a valid testimony. Why? Simply because they're a woman. They were second class to a man. And so what happens is that the women, of course, are the ones that are telling the story. And so as early as the second century, people that wanted to to, to push down the idea of the resurrection, they used the idea of women as as evidence for why why the story is made up. A Greek philosopher by the name of Celsus in the second century, he he was one of the first to say, you know what? We cannot believe the testimony of Christianity simply because it was told by women. It's not valid, it's not true. Now again, in 2021, maybe that doesn't make sense, but it made a whole lot of sense in the second and first century. And so a lot of people said, hey, yeah, you know what, it's women, we can't believe it. It's not true, it's made up. Now the gospel writers who wrote these accounts, they would have known, they would have known this, this isn't information to them, this isn't news, that a woman's testimony is not valid. And so the question is, if the women, or specifically if the gospel writers We're making up the story, if it was all a big hoax, why would they put women as the people to to witness the empty tomb? If the story was made up, why would they do that? Because by doing that, they're actually working in, in against themselves, against the validity of their story. Well, the implications are maybe the reason that they placed women at the tomb was because that was the story. That's what actually happened. And so they weren't worried about the, 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 validity, the validity of the women's testimonies. Instead, they wanted to just record what happened. In the same sense, it says that the disciples, and these are the people that would take this movement in the first century. It says the disciples didn't believe. It seemed like nonsense. Now, if you were making up a story, why would all of your strongest people who are now the leaders in the church, why would they come across as cowards who didn't believe? It would work counter to the message. Well, the implication is the reason they recorded it like this is because this is what actually happened. Jesus actually rose from the dead. He was witnessed first by women, and the men didn't believe it. That's what happened. That's the implication. You see, the gospel writers are not writing to make anyone look better or worse. They are simply recording what happened. What if that's the story? What if Jesus rose from the dead? What if death is actually defeated? You see, the Gospel of John, I believe, puts a bow on this story. Because we can't sit here and try to say for certain whether it happened or not. But what if it did? What if it's true? John says in, in, in chapter 20, verse 31, he says, "'What is written was written so that you may believe "'that Jesus is the Messiah.'" the Son of God, that by believing in Him, you have life in His name. Listen, the question I want to ask this Easter is, what if it's true? What if the story is true? What if the grave is empty? Well, John tells us what happens if it's true. He says, if it's true, if Jesus is the Messiah, if He is the Son of God, that means that there is life in His name. We have life in the name of Jesus. So here's the last implication. What if it's true? If the story is true, it means that hope is here today. Hope is here today, this Easter. This Easter hope is here because Jesus, the son of God, not only died on the cross, but he rose again victorious. He did what no one else was able to do, what no one has done since. He took on death and he defeated it. And when he defeated it, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us exactly what happened. It says in verse 21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So that in Him, we might become the righteousness of God. You want to know what that means? It means this Easter and every Easter, it's a reminder that God took on flesh. The God of the universe became a human. And what He did on the cross was He took the penalty that you and I deserve. I'm not sure if you know this. Maybe you feel it inside. But you're messed up. No matter how hard you try to be righteous, no matter how hard you try to be good, you have sin, you have shortcomings, you have downfalls. But the good news of Easter is that Jesus said, give them to me. And Jesus took our weakness, Jesus took our downfalls, He took our wickedness, He took our sin, and He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could experience the righteousness of God. You wanna know what that means? Even if you feel unworthy, even if you feel not enough, Jesus doesn't see that. He doesn't see your sin, God doesn't see your unworthiness, all He sees is His Son, Jesus. So we are actually the righteousness of God. That's the story of Easter. So I wanna wanna ask a question this morning. Again, what if it's true? What if the whole story is true? What if Jesus actually rose from the dead? If the story is true, here's my next question, what's holding you back? What's stopping you from today saying, I want to accept that story to be true? I wanna believe in the risen. I wanna believe in the resurrected Jesus. You see, if the story is true, everything changes. It means I don't have to look for life in dead things. It means death is not the end. It means hope is here today. And so this Easter, if it's true, if Jesus rose from the dead, and you were saying, I wanna believe it by faith, I wanna give us the chance right now to respond. It's so simple. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe. I believe that you rose again. I believe that you have taken my sin on the cross, that you died for me. And because you have been raised again, I can be raised to life as well. If that's you this Easter, and you wanna make that decision, I wanna encourage you right now Just say, I I, I choose to follow Jesus. I want you to fill out a connect card. There's going to be a link in the bio. And all you're doing is just saying, hey, I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. I want to step into the new life that God has for me. Let's just pray together, church. God, I thank you so much that you came down, that you took our sin, that you died for us. But not only did you die, you raised and you rose again. God, I pray for every single person today making decisions to follow you, to put their hope in you, their trust in you. God, I pray right now for them. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. Hey, if you want more information, if you've decided to follow Jesus, we encourage you to head over to kingdomchurch.ca right now and connect with us. We can't wait to get to know you.